and welcome to this special Christmas Eve edition of the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. I'm Mark Rees and on each episode I investigate a different, weird and wonderful subject. But as it's Christmas, I thought let's just have a bit of fun instead. Let's just look at a load of Weird and wonderful snippets of festive folklore. Things like Father Christmas coming down the chimney, people kissing under mistletoe, church services, and in particular the Plugine in Wales, this this incredible sight of countless candles being lit at the dead of night to welcome the coming of the Saviour. And maybe, just maybe, I will sneak in a little bit more about everyone's favourite festive horse-sculled tradition, the Mary Lloyd herself. Think of it as my Christmas present to you. Here's even more Mary Lloyd, because I know everyone loves the Mary Lloyd as much as I do. But before we get into all of the festive fun and games, I would like to be slightly serious for for 30 seconds quickly before we begin, which doesn't happen very often at all. Well, it, it never happens. I'm always talking rubbish. I'm never serious. So I'm sure you can forgive me just this once, just for Christmas. But on the last episode, I made a joke that... Nobody would be listening to this episode because people have got better things to be doing on Christmas Eve or or Christmas Day or Boxing Day or whenever it is you are listening to this podcast. They shouldn't be wasting their time listening to me because people should be doing other things at this time of year. People should be spending time with their family, wrapping presents, singing carols, drinking mulled wine and all these other idealized visions of Christmas that we see on postcards and on television adverts and we just get bombarded with this imagery that everyone should be having a good time at this time of year. Now of course that is not true, that is not reality. There are a lot of people who find Christmas incredibly difficult for whatever reason and in 2020 in particular I think this could be the the toughest year for a lot of people for hopefully in our lifetimes. Now, there is a wonderful initiative on social media every Christmas day, which is the join in hashtag, hashtag join in, J-O-I-N. I-N, which I, I believe was started by the comedian Sarah Millican. Don't quote me on that, but she is certainly uh, prominent in it. And I will certainly be joining in with that myself this Christmas day. And obviously, depending on, on time zones and when I'm having dinner and things, I can't promise to be online all the time. But I will be joining in with that. And if anyone is sitting there on their own Christmas day, and wants to waffle even more rubbish with me, I will be out there via social media. Now, anyway, that's the serious stuff out of the way. Let's look at the fun, festive folklore. And I have something of a a confession to begin with, really, because it was my intention to make this episode about the Welsh Father Christmas, who is known as Sean Corden, S-I-O-N, Sean, and the surname C-O-R-N. 
Because, depending on when you are listening to this, if it is, in fact, Christmas Eve, the day I've uploaded it, he will be visiting us all tonight. Well, assuming you've been good this year, that is. If not, if it's Christmas Day, he's already been and gone. If it's Boxing Day or even later, well, you can you can see where this is going. Maybe it's time for you to start counting down for next next Christmas now. But I thought Christmas Eve would be the perfect time to look at the Welsh Father Christmas. But there's just one problem with that, and that is there isn't a great deal to say right now. I've, I've made a note of this to try and research a bit more ready for next year, but the only thing we can really say about the Welsh Father Christmas, besides being very, very similar to all the other variations out there, is of course he is called Sean, and I, I love the fact that he has a first name because, <laughs> I'm going off on a tangent slightly, but by all accounts, the name Sean is the equivalent of the English name John. So that would make Father Christmas's first name John. So from now on, we can all call him John Christmas. And also, he is said to be married to Sean. Nice, uh, rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Sean, our Sean. So Sean is uh, Mrs. Christmas, I assume his wife's name is. So Sean, our Sean are the two people who bring us presents. And just to wrap up that little Sean Corrin bit, by all accounts, he doesn't just pop down the chimney once a year. In Wales, he is said to live in a chimney. So he, he spends every day of the year in a chimney, not just not just one night popping in and out back and forth. But there you go. That That's, that's Sean Corrin out of the way. Let's turn our attention to some folklore that, that, I, that I do know something about. And let's go back to the Victorian times, or to the, the Edwardian times rather, but looking at the Victorian times, at a time when Wales was a deeply, deeply religious place. I mean, it's still a religious place now, but at the time, at the Victorian times, when the church really was at the centre of everyone's lives, and even more so at Christmas, because, well, it, it's it's Christ Mass. It's a Christian celebration. It's celebrating the birth of the Saviour. And so, naturally, Christianity plays a big, big part in the traditions of Wales. And yet, we have these lingering pagan beliefs and traditions which come from, well, who, who knows? Some people think they're lingering from the days of the Druids, other people think they're just modern invent or contemporary inventions at the time. But let's let's take a look at some of those traditions themselves, and then we can try and guess and work out where we think these things came from. Are they pre-Christian? Are they direct from the church? Are they from somewhere else altogether? And we are told, and I'll, I'll be quoting from some of my, my favourite folklore books from the period, but we are told in the early 1900s that Christmas in the present day is not so important as it used to be in the former times because New Year's and the 12 days of Christmas had become more important to Wales back then. But it was still a regular feasting day, we are told, a day for stuff in your face. And morning service is conducted in the parish church and in the non-conformist chapels in the evening they might have an eisteddfod. So the church and the chapels and food played a prominent part in Christmas Day. Now, there was still a touch of the good old consumerism going on. We are told that the night before 
the children would hang up their stockings and they would fully expect to find toys inside them the next day and tying in with another tradition which persists to this day we are told that and i quote christmas is also an important day for the young maidens to kiss and be kissed so it's not just about finding toys in your stocking it's also about kissing and being kissed and in order to 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 get this this kiss a girl places a mistletoe to hang over the chair in which a young man who she wishes to catch is likely to sit then when he comes under the mistletoe she kisses him suddenly and whenever she succeeds in doing so she claims from him a new pair of gloves so as we can see it's not entirely about the romantic side of things here there is still a consumer element to the mistletoe as well because that girl if successful gets a new pair of gloves and i guess if you're if you're really successful you you have well a, a lot of gloves i guess more gloves than you could ever need and i should point out quickly at this point that there is an other account of the folklore surrounding mistletoe which does contradict that one slightly because that tells us mistletoe should not be hung inside mistletoe should be outside where you, you catch and kiss people in this case you're being a bit more strategic with it you're placing it inside where you know these young men these young victims are going to be sitting down although in the case of the men if it was the men initiating the kissing they were said to do it under the branches so maybe it became a men outside women inside affair but this is certainly one of those things which people do say can be traced back to the druids to pre-christian times when the druids would cut mistletoe we are told from the trees to be collected down below and it would be cut with a golden sickle and the reasoning behind this is that the three berries of the mistletoe represented the deity in his triple dignity and without going too much into the the druids right now but there is a lot of symbolism and a connection with reincarnation or incarnation rather but all connected with the oak tree from which this mistletoe was being gathered but anyway back to christmas now according to one leading authority one eminent folklorist from back in the day we are told that the most interesting feature of christmas in wales in times gone by was undoubtedly the plugine which means twilight and that is spelt p-l-y-g-a-i-n the most interesting feature undoubtedly we are told now if they mean christmas morning itself then yes okay fair enough but if he means the entire christmas period i would beg to differ because the mary lloyd for me is by far no, not just the most iconic christmas new year tradition in wales but it's one of the best in the world but certainly just looking at the early hours of christmas the plugine celebrations is a wonderful wonderful tradition and the plugine was and i quote a religious service held in the parish church at three o'clock on christmas morning to watch the dawn commemorative of the coming of christ 
and the daybreak of Christianity. Now, this would be the start of of the Christmas celebrations to be there at three o'clock and to see a new day dawning must have been quite a humbling experience, I would have thought, for the whole parish or congregation with, with their friends and family, of course, to all be there together on the day to see light breaking on the day the Saviour was born, to see the first glimmer of light rising behind those Welsh mountains, maybe, and throwing its beams down onto the church. And I have friends nowadays who go to to midnight mass on Christmas Eve. So 12 o'clock the night before, and, you know, they moan about being tired afterwards. Well, never mind that. In Wales, there were people in church at three o'clock in the morning, ready to welcome in the day. That is how devoted the Welsh are to Christianity. And we are told that it wasn't it wasn't just one or two locals who went along. There was a large congregation. People from remote distances were traveling to get there. We, we are told three or four miles by foot on a frosty night through snow to get there. This is above and beyond. But of course, they didn't just gather there and just, just watch the sunrise and go home again. There was a full service plan. There was song there was prayer, there was praise, there was thanksgiving. And the one bit I think really does make it spectacular, maybe this does make it the most interesting feature, is that we are talking about a time when there was no electricity in these places of worship. There was no light switch in the church. As such, it was customary for each family to take their own candles with them to this early service. Now, it, it might be quite difficult for some of us to, to imagine nowadays where we have... I mean, we, we live in a world where we don't even have to stand up or press buttons anymore. We can literally talk. We can talk to devices and they do things. Things just magically happen. We can turn on lights from, from a different country just by talking into our phones. But back then... Church services were held in the daytime for practical reasons, because people couldn't see in the darkness. They'd be bumping into each other. So it must have been quite a sight for once a year for everyone, for miles around, traipsing through the snow to get together and illuminate it in such a way to welcome the start of Christmas. It also worked out quite nicely for the clerk of the church because we are told that any candles that were left over became their property. So I'm assuming back then people used quite a few candles throughout the year. So maybe that was his, or I'm assuming it was his then, his supply for the rest of the year. Have this big get together on Christmas morning, stock up on candles for the next 12 months. And these get-togethers were also a chance for, for one of Wales' more sort of iconic professions to really show how good they are. And that is the bard, the travelling poet. And they were expected to compose a new carol for the occasion. And we are told that, indeed, a poet was not considered a poet unless he could sing a carol. All of which sounds a little bit too idyllic to be true. And do you know what? It is a little bit too idyllic to be true. Because yes, while the Welsh were very faithful, yes, while they set their alarms, well, they, they, well if they had alarms, but while they got up very early to go to church and while they, they had the candles and the caroling and the thanksgiving, 
Sadly, there was also, we are told, a great deal of disorder on account of men under the influence of drink attending the church after a night of revelry. Now, that tradition, of course, does continue of of going to the pub on Christmas Eve and having one too many to drink, maybe. But the big difference is nowadays, people get kicked out of the pub around 11 at midnight and they go home and they sleep it off. Back then, people were drinking until three in the morning and then going to church. And that is where it got a little bit bad to the extent, and again, so we are told that it put an end to the plugin in some places. In some places, the drunkenness was so bad, they had to put a stop to this early morning gathering, which is a huge, huge shame. But in the course of time, the hour was changed from three to four to five. And I imagine this helped a lot of people because what this meant was three in the morning is a little bit too early for people to go to bed. But four or five in the morning, by this point, the drunken people have probably passed out. Whereas the faithful, that's enough time for them to go to bed, sort of 10 o'clock-ish maybe, get a good few hours sleep, and then rise ready to get to church for five in the morning, which sounds like a much more practical approach to me. Now, in Tenby, in Pembrokeshire in particular, the lovely picturesque town of Tenby, they had a unique way of conducting this service. And we are told that the boys, the local boys, would escort the rector to the church for the early service. And they would hold aloft burning torches to light the way. So we're continuing this theme of light and fire. But upon arrival, they would extinguish those torches, put them outside go in for the service as normal. Afterwards, they would relight them, walk him back through the streets with these burning, burning stakes held aloft. And also, cow horns were blown. There was a heck of a racket going on. Adding to that, the bells, the chimes were ringing at the end of the service, and they did not stop until the usual morning service so this wasn't this didn't take the place of the normal service the plugin was an additional service you had this early on then you had the normal morning service those church bells rang non-stop in between the two nobody nobody could have a lie-in on christmas day in tembi the cow horns were blaring there was a procession through the town and the place was decorated in evergreens the windows of the houses were covered in evergreens again harking back maybe to pre-christian traditions and talking of tenby there was another peculiar tradition that took place there sometimes on christmas day sometimes around but the fishermen there of which there were many it's a very picturesque harbour town if you aren't familiar with tenby but the fishermen would dress up one of their number who they called the lord mayor of Penniless Cove, and he would be covered in evergreens, a mask over his face, and they would carry him about seated on a chair with flags flying and a couple of violins playing before him. And I I keep saying it, but again, we're tapping back into this notion of evergreens at Christmas, a mask on his face. I I can picture this as, as, as a green man type figure maybe being held aloft on Christmas Day. And so it wasn't just the rector on his way to the plug service who was given special treatment. 
Now, after the plug-in was out of the way, we are told that it was customary in the old day for the men to go hunting. Afterwards, they would hunt the hare, they would hunt the woodcock, and bizarrely, the chief target of their hunting was the squirrel. Now, thankfully, that is long gone. Now, squirrels, I hope, are now safe in Wales on Christmas Day. And if not, they should be, because I love squirrels. Well, I just love animals, full stop. But on that note, on that note, we are nearing the end of this Christmas episode, which I've really enjoyed recording. And ironically, it'll, it'll probably be the episode nobody listens to because it is Christmas Eve. But as long as I'm happy, that's, that's the main thing, even if I'm talking to myself for this one. And I did, I, if, if you listened carefully to the last episode, I did say this episode was going to be a short and sweet episode, but I've enjoyed it so much. I've just gone on and on and on, and it's actually just turned into a full-length episode anyway. That, that's how much I'm enjoying it. But I did promise some Mary Lloyd magic, and we do have some more Mary Lloyd folklore on the way. But just very quickly, before I wrap up with the Mary Lloyd, as mentioned, I will be online throughout the day on Christmas Day, as I am most days. And if anyone would like to track me down for any reason at all, if it's just to say hello, just to say Merry Christmas, then just do a search for Mark Rees and put the word ghosts or whales or folklore in, and you will find me either on a search engine where my website will pop up on top, or on social media, and I am on Twitter, I've got a Facebook page, and I'm on Instagram, so I'm quite easy to find. And of course, I will be back on the podcast again next week, because even though it falls on New Year's Eve, just like Christmas Eve, I will once again be uploading an episode, and we'll have some fun again on that one. So please consider hitting the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss that one. But... Back to the Mary Lloyd. Now, I did a full episode all about the Mary Lloyd a few weeks ago, episode number 27. So if you would like to go back and check that one out, please do. But just very, very quickly to bring everyone up to speed. And it's not it's not easy doing the Mary Lloyd very quickly. But the Mary Lloyd is a wassailing tradition, and it refers to one person in particular who is dressed up as the Mary, and they do that by holding a pole at the end of which is a horse's skull. Yes, just go, go with me on this one, a horse's skull, and the person is covered in a white sheet, and that Mary Lloyd, along with the rest of the gang, go door to door in their parish, trying to get into people's houses in the middle of night to drink their beer and eat their cake. And if you are wondering what the heck I'm talking about, then please go back and check out episode 27 because there's a lot more to it than that. But now to this new, well, not new, it's, it's very old, but this extra bit of Mary folklore. And we are told this, this curious custom, as a lot of you know by now, of a man wearing a skeleton of a horse's head decked with ribbons and rosettes is known as Mary Lloyd Flowen. Now, this is a slightly different take on the name. It's usually Mary Lloyd, sometimes Mary Lloyd. But this has got a third word added to it, Mary Lloyd Flowen. And Flowen or Lowen means Mary. But that's Mary, M-E-R-R-Y, as in Merry Christmas. So this name means 
the Mary, Mary Lloyd, or as it is translated in this account, the Mary Gray Mary. Now, you have to be quite careful, or, or I have to be quite careful how I pronounce those words, because the word Mary, as in Merry Christmas, sounds a lot like Mary, as in the Virgin Mary, when said in a quick Welsh twang. And when you have the two words together in the same name, the Merry Mary, it gets a bit confusing. But anyway, Llawen or Llawen means Merry. Merry Christmas, Merry. And I have no idea how, how popular or how unpopular that name was, but I love the idea that the Mary Lloyd is indeed merry at this time of year. Maybe it's been at the mulled wine. I don't know. Or just, just happy to be out and about. But we are told of this extra name. And the man who was enveloped in a large white sheet and proceeded around the houses, followed by a merry procession, singing songs and playing merry pranks and collecting Christmas boxes. And this account includes a very short example of the kind of thing they would say or sing after banging on the door. It is very short, but in Welsh it goes, Mary Lloyd Lawen, sin dod or ben darren, etc. I love that etc. It just means we can be lazy. Here's two lines, etc. But to, to, to repeat and translate that, Mary Lloyd Lawen, sin dod or ben darren, etc. Which means... Mary Grey Mary, who comes from Pendarren, etc. And I can't remember if I included this on the last Mary Lloyd episode or not. So just in case, I'll tell you again if I did. But we are told that when a real skeleton could not be got, so that that quite striking horse's skull that you see on the top of the Mary Lloyd, when that could not be got, it was customary to make one of straw and rags. So if you were struggling to lay your hands on a horse's skull, and I know a few people on social media have said to me, I would love to do this, but you're in, in Canada or wherever they're talking from. How are we possibly supposed to get our hands on a horse's skull? Well, it doesn't matter because even in Wales, it was customary to make one of straw and rags. And before we wrap things up, it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening. Dioch and Varian and Grando, I've been Mark Rees. This has been my Ghosts and Folklore podcast, beaming to you from Wales to the world. Now, I usually end this podcast with a quote which... I imagine a lot of you have, have worked out quite quickly that it's a quote or a misquote from Bill Murray in the second Ghostbusters film. I usually finish every episode with a Bill Murray misquote, but for this episode, I thought, let's use a different Bill Murray quote. In the film Scrooged, one of my favourite Christmas films, not only... Does Bill Murray do a fantastic impersonation of Richard Burton? And it, it's hard for me to put into words how, how amazing that is for me, because I think Richard Burton and Bill Murray are my, my two favourite actors ever. So to see one of them do an impersonation of the other is, is wonderful. But besides the Richard Burton impersonation, Bill Murray's character, Frank Cross, does a... Well, I won't, I won't spoil the film, not that there's 
much to spoil in a modern day or a 1980s a 1980s take on on Charles Dickens is a Christmas Carol if you don't know what happens in that then I'd, I'd probably recommend you go and read it or listen to it or watch that as soon as this podcast finishes but I'm assuming everyone knows what happens in Dickens is a Christmas Carol and at the end of it when Bill Murray's character who'd been playing the Scrooge character and has this this change of heart at the end he gives this monologue he sort of breaks the fourth wall and he talks to us directly through the screen and i i I can remember seeing this film in the cinema screen back when i was quite young in the 1980s and while i would love to play to you the recording of bill murray doing that i cannot because i would be sued for copyright so instead i am just going to end by reading you a few lines from it always clear the throat Before quoting Bill Murray, It's Christmas Eve. It's the one night of the year when we all act a little nicer. We smile a little easier. We cheer a little more. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we always hoped we would be. It's a miracle. And on that note, have a very Merry Christmas. Nadolik Flowen Yown and North Star. <laughs>